Hey there, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is episode number 164. How you doing? Happy Friday. Um, boy, we're hoping to have a little bit of fun today. We're going to make this kind of a freelance Friday and um, kind of got some thoughts and some ideas that I want to share, but it's going to be more of a stream of conscience pike podcast. I think today, just a lot going on um, in the world of politics, the world of news. And I want to get into you know issues about political power as opposed to individual initiative. And we're going to kind of break some of that down today in this podcast episode. So, um, yeah, I just want to say you know, we're going to make this a little bit of an ask me anything. So if you have questions that you'd like to zing to me, you know, let me know. If you have a question about anything, I'll be happy to take any of your questions here on the live stream here. We're going on Facebook and on YouTube and just really kind of proud of myself. We're making this a regular thing every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 p.m. And, um, you know, really looking forward to doing this each time. And it's a great motivator for me to to be accountable to you, but more importantly, to be accountable to myself as I put these podcast episodes together. So, yeah, we're going to have a little fun. It'll be a freelance Friday. We'll, we'll take your questions. You can ask me anything. And um, but I first want to just get started by, number one, thanking my guest that I had this week. We had uh, incumbent Poway Council person Kaylin Frank joined us for an interview on Monday. And then on Wednesday, we had a Rancho Bernardo author, community activist, um, Steve Dow joined us. And boy, we had some great conversations. And I love the interviews that we do on this podcast. Uh, but I also love these opportunities where hey, I can just sort of share my piece because a lot of times when I do those interviews, I try not to inject too much of my own opinion. Maybe I did a little bit in the Steve Dow one. But definitely when I'm interviewing the politicians, I try to keep my opinions reserved uh, because I want to really extract everything we can from the political candidates so we can learn about them. Uh, but you know, on these solo podcasts, I get a chance to to share my own thoughts and I enjoy that. So um, also want to give a shout out and a thank you to the League of Women Voters um, and to Chris Cruz. And, you know, we all collectively work together on the Poway candidate forums that took place last week, Thursday and Friday, with both the candidates from Poway Unified School Board Area E and for the candidates for Poway City Council. And, um, you know, Chris approached me, you know, she's the one that runs South and North Poway Votes. And she uh, asked if I wanted to give her a hand getting some of these candidates organized. And I did. I was very happy to lend a hand. And and we were able to secure those dates. Chris brought in the League of Women Voters. Suddenly, I'm a sponsor for the, the forum, along with the South and North Poway Votes webpage. And I was really happy to be a participant in that. And, you know, we We've posted the audio only versions as podcast episodes on this channel if you want to learn more about those Poway candidates. And then, of course, uh, we did get one of the videos that we were able to post on um, my YouTube channel. So you can check that out if you haven't had a chance to get the video content from the League of Women Voters. Um, but, uh, you know, Again, I want to talk about local uh, politics. I want to talk about national politics. And I kind of want to use that as a jumping off point to talk about, you know, rather than political politicians taking control over you, how we can take control over our own lives. And that's what I really want to get to. But as far as... Um, yeah, the local elections are going in Poway. And this is interesting, by the way. I'm running this podcast and 
I love talking about my local issues, but I do know that that kind of limits my audience because if you're living outside of Poway, you're probably thinking, who cares about this? Um, but a lot of these topics we discuss, and Steve Dow reminded me of this, a lot of the topics we discuss of the local issue are really relevant in cities all across America, especially in cities here in California. So when you hear me talking about Poway this, Poway that, I hope you're finding it at least relevant in your own community. But we had some fantastic discussions um, in the in my recent interviews, as well as in the the forums, talking about development and parks and, um, you know, the the authority that each of these political or these uh, government agencies have over their communities. It's just really interesting. And earlier this week, um, I think it was on, was it Tuesday, uh, the Poway City Council entertained the presentation uh, for the development project on Poway Road from Fairfield. And it was very interesting. I mean, this is, you know, we, we've been talking forever here in Poway about a um, redevelopment of our Poway Road to make it more of a, of a downtown, to make it more of a magnet and attraction uh, to draw people in, to have a walkable community, a uh, residential commercial blend. Um, And I've been hearing versions of this over and over again ever since I moved to Poway in 1996. And I know they had some plans early on, and then the Great Recession hit, and the economy went sideways, and then they got reorganized again. And it's interesting to see how um, there's a plan that's put forward, and it's more of a framework. I think the Poway uh, Road specific plan is a framework. But then when the pro- when the projects come forward, um, you see different motivations. Obviously, the developers are looking to maximize um, their revenue and totally get it, totally understand it. So they're trying to put in as much housing as possible. There is resistance from the community. Uh, meanwhile, there's a desperate need for housing. Um, gosh, today I was actually up on Scripps Poway Parkway drove past the um, the new Amazon uh, warehouse that's up there. That thing is enormous, and there's going to be a lot of workers up there that are going to need a place to live. And you know, here there's a proposal to put in um, a few hundred uh, apartments, and you know, getting a lot of pushback from the community. Um, it just seems it's interesting, is it? Sometimes it's the whole notion of be careful what you wish for. You know, people want to see um, some, you know, upgrades and development along Poway Road. But then once the actual plans come forward, people are like hesitant and then people don't want change. And I think we're seeing some of that as well. But it was interesting, the process, how uh, the representatives from Fairfield came before the city council. And um, we heard a lot of really interesting comments. And I know when Kaylin Frank was on the podcast earlier on Monday, she was limited in what she could really share on the podcast. Um, She spoke more in broad brushes because, you know, she wanted to give the Fairfield team a fair chance to make their presentation. Uh, But in the council meeting, she was very, very pointed in her um, response to the plan, um, her essentially the rejection of the plan. It was very interesting to hear. But, you know, this topic of what I want to really get to is this idea of political control versus personal initiative. It is interesting how the city council 
in this case, has tremendous power. Um, they have the power to dictate um, not entirely everything that happens in the city of Poway, but tremendously more than any individual or company. And, this, and the Poway City Council, in this case, had the absolute ability to say yes or no to that plan. And it's interesting when you look at these political races. And certainly this is true on the national level, but even at the local level, this all really comes down to power. Um, It comes down to who's going to have power over other people, who's going to have control over other people. And a lot of the things that are playing out here locally in Poway, we see similar um, models that are playing out in other cities across America, as well as in uh, at the national level, where we have people in town that don't want other people to have the liberty to do what they want. And so you end up um, having this situation where people are using government as their tool to Um, to leverage others, to prevent others, and to essentially control other people. And the politicians that are sitting up on the the die, you know, the ones there that are able to have the microphone and they can speak their piece at those meetings, you know, they've got power. And we put them in power, um, sometimes to our own detriment. And I think we're seeing some of that here in Poway, where there's a lot of voters that are very dissatisfied with the city council. Personally, I have kind of mixed feelings on what the city council is doing. I'm generally supportive of the development on Poway Road, mostly because I'm supportive of property rights. I'm supportive of letting people be able to use their property as they see fit, as long as they're not harming others. And we do have a desperate need for more housing. We have a serious housing crisis um, in the not only in this general area of North County Inland, um, you know, you talk to any realtor, they're desperate for listings for available properties to sell. But if you look at the marketplace, there's just very limited supply of inventory and massive, massive demand. And that's why the price of housing is so expensive. It's like Econ 101. The demand is high. The supply is limited. And it's interesting how the, the forces that are in opposition to development, they want development of, of so-called affordable housing because they recognize that the marketplace is out of whack. But they want to restrict supply um, to the point where we have um, we have limited options and then the affordable part of affordable housing ends up coming at the expense of other people. So this goes back to the point where we're seeing that that voters and politicians want to control other people to satisfy their own demands and their own needs. So it just it's just a fascinating kind of dynamic. And, you know, even here in, in, in Poway at the Stone Ridge Golf Course, you know, they're talking about the Measure P. And just as an aside, I, I mentioned in um, a previous podcast on, on Facebook, I did a drive around the perimeter of the Stone Ridge uh, Country Club. And this is where there, there's a proposal to put in 160 homes. Um, the, they are going to call it the farm in Poway. There's going to be agricultural space. There's going to be walking trails. There's going to be a barn and, and other facilities that are going to be open to the public, as well as reviving the country club's um, former tennis and swimming pool and I think they're putting in pickleball, a bunch of other things, um, but it'll all be open to the public. Of course, some of it will require fee, just like any other services in Poway, including some from the city. But um, as but there's it's a very hot topic, and I drove around 
the golf course um, and lots of support for Measure P, which surprised me. Um, people that where it's literally in their backyard and they were saying yes, they weren't NIMBYs, they were YIMBYs. Um, yes, in my backyard, which was surprising to see. I later found out that the no on P people weren't totally organized and they hadn't really gotten all their signs made and distributed. And sure enough, today um, I was driving on a Spola. I made a left turn on what's the name of that street? Is it Orchard Gate? And then a, a right turn on Rostrada and a left on Martin Coit and then a right on Stone Canyon. And boy, did I see a lot of signs there because um, I live off of Stone Canyon and um, very interesting. So, again, people jostling for position, who's going to control, who's going to have their say over someone else's property. So again, it's control, it's power, and it's this idea of who's going to be able to flex their muscles and limit the abilities of other people to live their own life and to make decisions about their own business. Um, So this is, again, some of the challenges that I have with some of the, um, the motivations of some of those that are in opposition to the development. Now, granted, I know with development, there's going to be more people, there's going to be more traffic, there's going to be more um, impact on infrastructure. I understand that. Um, But there are ways to overcome that with technology. Um, There are ways to, um, in fact, I think in a lot of cases, it's greatly overblown. In fact, they were, remember they were talking about putting in a veterans housing um, faci- a building on Twin Peaks and the people uh, across the street, big NIMBYs, not in my backyard, and they were objecting on the basis of traffic, but the traffic was going to be almost minimal. Now, granted, that's only for like 20 or 30 homes or 20 or 30 housing units, I should say. Um, but still, even um, people, when, when, the, when they're at their their home. It's not like everyone has all their cars out at once. You know, people kind of come and go as they please. And I think, I think the traffic concerns can be minimized with proper city planning and with good technology. And in fact, I, I'll give kudos to Kevin McNamara and what he's talking about doing at the farm and putting in that sort of real time traffic control um, that's going to manage the length of the green and red lights based on the flow of traffic at that instant in time, you know, rather than having it programmed like a sprinkler system that flips the schedule at eight in the morning and then flips it again at five at night. Um, It's going to be recalculating an algorithm to optimize traffic flow, literally updated every second of the day to maximize the the traffic flow on Spola. Imagine if they had that on Poway Road, we could see a huge difference. There's also opportunities, I think, to redirect a lot of traffic off of Poway Road up to Scripps Poway Parkway. If you go back on Garden Road or Sycamore Creek Canyon and um, or Sycamore Canyon Road, and that connects directly to Scripps Poway Parkway. And there's an on an off ramp there, but it's closed. Imagine if that were open, the people at in the Garden Road community can get to Highway 15 in in a fraction of the time it would take to go down Poway Road. So there are ways to overcome a lot of this. Um, But maybe if you if you live in Poway, you understand what I'm talking about. But if you don't, maybe this is playing out in your community where there are people that are proposing more housing, uh, proposing more construction. Uh, Obviously, they're doing it because there's a market demand for it. There are people that want it. But at the same time, there are um, uh, there are 
there are people that are in opposition to it because they don't want more people, more traffic, more stress on the local system. But there are ways to overcome it. Uh, but again, some people I think are just generally resistant to change. And that's kind of a human nature kind of thing. Um, I see a question here from Kevin Kennedy. Actually, it's more of a comment. A traffic light between carriage and civic center on Poway Road will be a big problem. It is definitely not a community benefit. Fairfield can do better. Yeah, that's an interesting one because I was thinking about it is imagine if that traffic signal didn't exist and you were in that, that community and you wanted to go to Highway 15, you would only be able to exit the community and go eastbound on Poway Road. You wouldn't be able to go westbound. And then you'd have to go for a certain amount of time and then do a U-turn and turn in the other direction. So that's going to be that's going to be tricky, you know, on how they figure that one out. Of course, they spin it as a community benefit, but it's not a community benefit. Um, You know, they they also try to spin it as a restaurant row, but there were only two restaurants. They tried to spin it as this open space and a dog park, but they're just a tiny fraction of the overall project. So, you know, sometimes I think some of these developers do themselves a disservice by not really being as honest as they should in presenting their proposal. Um, Sometimes they're not necessarily looking for a true win-win, a win for them and a win for the community that they serve. So, yeah, interesting. Um, But I agree with you, Kevin. Um, The traffic light there on Poway Road isn't really a community benefit. But if housing is going to go there, they're going to have to figure out some way to allow traffic to go westbound on Poway Road. And I don't know how they're going to do that. So I guess we're going to find out. But so, you know, the the Fairfield project in Poway is an example of you got property owners. They live in Poway. They're Poway property owners. They pay property tax that partly funds operations in Poway that funds our local sheriff and community uh, parks and and funds infrastructure and roads. And these are Poway people that own that land. They may live in Poway. They may not, but they're they own Poway property. They've determined that they want to sell their property. And, you know, obviously there's going to be an opportunity to sell it to a private party that's going to put construction on their site. Um, Yeah. So. This is playing out in cities all across America. Are property owners going to be able to have the ability to develop on their own property? Or are locals going to continue to try to take control and power over them to try to restrict what other property owners are able to do on their own property? And we're not talking about putting something in there that's dangerous or harmful. It's just housing, you know, Um The world changes, the world evolves. Um, And I think that for some of us, we're resistant to that. Um, You know, so again, I'm not necessarily a big supporter of that specific plan that Fairfield put forward. I think there's a lot of flaws in that plan. But who am I to judge? All right. It's not my property. Really should be the property owner's ability to judge. But in this case, the city government has the power over that and they can shut them down. And again, I think this is what it all comes down to is that uh, people from both the left and the right are using the political power of government to control other people, sometimes at the expense of others, so that they can benefit. And it becomes this power struggle, this um, who's going to muscle who. And, And I think we're seeing that. But let's. 
let's jump up from the local stuff and talk a little bit about the national level where the same dynamic is playing out. And it's just getting crazy. You know, um, the the insanity, the the chatter on social media, the I, I don't watch too much cable news anymore because it just got so outrageous. But there's just it's unbelievable some of the things that are occurring, the rhetoric, the tribalism, the infighting uh, between different groups. Um, and it's just we're losing sense of having sort of rational conversation about ideas. It's more about who's going to muscle who, who's going to have political power over other people. And, you know, at the at the state level, at the national level, you wonder why are these politicians pursuing the, the office? Are they doing it out of the good of their own heart? Are they doing it because they really believe in doing something positive for this nation? Well, they might to a certain degree, but in my opinion, they're in it because they like having power over other people and they like being able to control huge amounts of money. Um, the same thing is true at the local level, just to a lesser degree. I think um, local politicians generally are in it for the right reasons, um, much more so than a state um, elected politician or a federally elected politician. Um, but we're, we're seeing people using government to muscle other groups and to prevent them from living their own life. You know, so like, for example, we're we're seeing cases here not of housing. Again, housing is a big issue across the nation. NIMBY laws, zoning laws that are preventing construction. Um, we were talking about one political party wants to put up walls and um, and 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 prevent people from immigrating to the United States, or at least making it extraordinarily difficult. They want to um, remove travel visas and remove student visas. They say they're only against illegal immigration, but they're also against legal immigration um, in these cases. And so, again, one group using government as a way to have power over other people. Um, But then, you know, on the other side of it is, is that you've got people on the left side of the aisle that they want to enact policies to make government more of a monopoly, have a, a government monopoly um, on health care insurance, um, have greater government power over the education system. Um, you know, we're in right now it's it's close to a monopoly, not fully, but they want to they want to empower the state education system and do whatever they can to diminish alternatives to that process. So we're seeing, again, flexing of muscles more and more power. Um, so it, it's just the. the I, I got to a point today where I just kind of became disgusted with it all. You know, I just kind of got to a point where I just wanted to start to unplug from all this. And it's it's difficult for me because when I started this podcast, I love the conversation. I mean, that's the main reason that I started this podcast. I mean, I'm doing a lot for my own self because I think this is this is enjoyable for me. And I'm learning new things as I'm building this podcast project, meeting a lot of interesting people. But in the discussions, I love the conversation. I, I love the discussion of ideas, especially when we can do it in a civil and rational way without all the goofiness and hysteria and the wackiness from both the left and the right. Um, but we're as I'm as I continue to enjoy the discussion, 
some of the discussion has gone completely off the rails. It's just gone into wacko land. And it's gone to the point where people are bullying one another, you know, out on the streets. We're seeing violence in a lot of cases, um, people bullying other people over who they're going to vote for. And it's just a matter of people slamming other people over the head. And I think to myself, this, this, you know, this podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that those are our founding values that right there in the preamble of the Declaration of Independence, you know, really important um, ideas. Number one, that we're all equal. We're all equal in the eyes of in the eyes of God, if you're religious, but we're certainly all equal in the eyes of authority, in the eyes of government. Um, but then we also have a right to our own life. That's the life of the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We own ourselves. We, we are no longer subjects of a king. You know, that we have sovereignty over ourselves. Um, and that we, have, we should have liberty. We should have the ability to choose. And we should have a political system that gives us that ability. And then finally, you know, we should pursue our own happiness. And what I find is that the way this... Uh, the national politics are unfolding. It's it's we're losing total sight of those ideals where it's not so what they want to do is suppress your ability to manage your own life, suppress your ability to choose and then not really give you the ability to pursue your own happiness. They just want you to, to follow their version of happiness. Like there's an article that I saw recently where um, and people were sharing it and they were saying happiness can be measured objectively, you know, and and they said scientists came up with it and they figured out the six key elements of happiness. And one of them was like GDP and, and you know, a few other criteria. And then they stacked ranked the nations based on happiness and they're saying that they can calculate happiness. And I'm looking at that and thinking, this is the biggest loaded nonsense in the world. Because we all have a different, we, we're all different, you know. We all have different interests, different lifestyles, different backgrounds, different cultures. That, that melting pot is what makes America great. Um, but when we have uh, different criteria that makes us happy. What makes you happy may not make me happy. In fact, it might make me angry and vice versa. And there's other things that people think make them extraordinarily happy. And you look at it and you go, ah, that's not that big of a deal. You know, so we all have different criteria for what makes us happy. But we're seeing that people want to objectively measure happiness, which I don't think it can be objectively measured, to use that as a basis to implement government policy that's going to put power over other people. The, the founders of our nation got it right. They didn't give us a right to happiness. They gave us a right to pursue our own happiness, essentially to live our life according to our own values, according to what's important to us. So we're completely losing track of that idea. It's all about people wanting to control other people so they can get what they want. So rather than looking for win-win opportunities, they're, they're pushing for win-lose. They want their group to be successful, even if the other group loses. And that's we have it with democracy, right? It's it's like mob rule. It's like uh, 51 percent is going to oppress the minority and people are flexing their muscles, trying to use government as their tool. And then you, this whole thing is playing out. And then you see a lot of, um, you know, corporate folks, uh, lobbyists. They see this system and they, they say, hmm, how can I use this to my advantage? And then they come in and use, again, use government as a tool 
to block competitors, to make competition extraordinarily difficult. And, and that's what we're seeing with um, with Trump and the trade war. You know, the 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 trade war putting tariffs on imports and making the price of goods more expensive. You know, they do it to so-called protect American jobs. But what they're doing is raising the price of goods. Um, someone along the supply chain is taking a hit. You know, in some cases, consumers are paying more. In some cases, consumers are not paying more. But that means that other people are getting less. They're getting less margin, less profit, whether they're a retailer, a distributor, or even the importer that actually has to pay the duty at the port of entry. Um, So people are using policies to oppress some people in order to reward others. And in the case of tariffs, that is something that oppresses broad numbers of people to reward a tiny few. Um, And it's, it's, in my opinion, immoral. Just it's just an obscene policy. So again, political power being used to flex muscles over others. Um, It's shameful. And so the the hysteria in some of the online discussions got so nuts. I just had to, I had to back off. I said, this is, we can't keep doing this, you know? So um, I I began to kind of reel back from some of that because it just got so nonsensical. Um, People, you know, pounding others over the head. Like if you vote, uh, for a third party, then you must be voting for Trump. And you're like, that doesn't make logical sense. That's ridiculous. Um, people that are insisting um, that you vote their way. And if you don't, you're not patriotic. And it's like, what is going on, people? We have free expression. We have the right to choose, we should, you know, have the liberty to choose, but people want to oppress others. And in fact, they're even making it difficult in some cases for some people to vote. People that they know are going to vote for their opponents. So again, just so much nonsense, so much of a violation of our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it becomes tribal. You know, the left and the right or the Republicans and the Democrats or the progressives and the and the nationalists or however they're, whichever group is fighting one group against another, you know, and, and it's, they break down by racial lines, they break down by religious lines, they break down by generational lines, and it's this battle, this battle of groups. And in every single case, They're trying to get government on their side so they can win and make the other side lose. And we're losing sight of what is this all supposed to be about. So, um, you know, as I'm listening to this and and in some cases engaging it, because I tell you, I like the conversation. The conversation is enjoyable to me. Um, I get into these these discussions online and it it gets to a point where I've got to say, you know, no more. I've got to unplug from this. Um, and, you know, social media is built to be a very addictive platform. You know, the algorithms work in such a way. And in my Facebook feed, it's like red meat <laughs> of commentary and topics that come forward. And in some cases, you can't help but respond or maybe you just enjoy jumping in. And the next thing you know, 30 minutes of your day is out the window. So it's difficult. Um And so I'm starting like while on one level, the local level, I like to be engaged. I like to have the conversation. But at the national level, I'm becoming less and less engaged because I know at the national level, I have less and less control at the national level. I live in the state of California that's going to be overwhelmingly going to go for Biden. It's going to be a landslide 
for Biden in the state of California. In 2016, Hillary won this state by 4 million votes. She won roughly 8 million to 4 million over Trump, a two to one ratio. So I know that my vote on the national level, not going to really change the outcome at all. I'm going to still vote. It's an expression of my values. I think that's important. But I'm just getting to the point where I just trying to take control over my own life, which I think is important, rather than getting caught up in this hysteria of other people trying to control other people, which is what we're seeing in the political arena. So um, I think it's important that we get sight of that um, because I understand like the the hysteria and the politicization of everything is just so amplified. It doesn't matter. I mean, geez, I was just driving down the road on Poway Road and there was good old Russell with his honk for Trump sign. And he's got people out there on Poway Road. And you go up Sundays here in Poway and the the streets are overwhelmed with Trump supporters and anti-Trump supporters. It's like you can't escape the politicization, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think we have to do as much as we can to try to de-escalate it. Um, Of course, the issues are important. Of course, the issues are worthy of fighting for. But really, how much power do you really have? Um, What can you realistically control? And I know people are struggling and they want to control other people. And you see that play out in just about every topic that's on the table. It's about one group trying to control another group. Um, But that is a difficult, difficult process to win. And frankly, you have to question if it's moral in the first place. If the other person isn't harming anyone, isn't violating the rights of anyone, should they be controlled? Um, And I say, no, they should be able to live their own life. So. I'm I'm of the opinion that we've got to start taking our own personal initiative as we, um, you know, really look beyond this 2020 race because, you know, gee whiz, we're we're about two months. Well, actually, a month and a half out of Election Day. You know, people have already started voting. Um, It's going to continue to get crazier and crazier. And we all know after the election, it's going to be more crazy. It's going to be like the 2000 election, but worse, because if Trump loses, he's going to blame voter fraud. And if Trump wins, the people are going to say the elections were um, the voters were suppressed. It doesn't matter how this thing plays out. There's going to be angry people. In my my opinion, there's going to be violence um, at some level no matter who wins. Um, And it's going to become more crazy, more nuts. And you're starting to see people that have just had it and they just had enough of it. And um, it's interesting to see what they're doing. Like people are beginning to take initiative. Um, There's a lot of people that are choosing to leave California. And, you know, you think about that. It's a very interesting idea. Um, You know, I personally have lived in California my entire life. I was Born in San Francisco, I came here to go to college, and I just never left. I've, I've been in California my entire life. I've never lived anywhere else. Um, but you hear people moving out of California, and it's interesting. And and in fact, it's you know since since COVID happened, and people no longer feel they have to go into the office in in the technology area in Silicon Valley. More people working remotely. You're seeing people leave the city of San Francisco. People um, ending their leases. You're seeing large corporations that are getting out of their leases, um, paying large penalties to exit their leases because. 
their workers don't want to be in California because it's too expensive or there's any other set of problems. People want to take greater initiative over their own life. And I think in a lot of cases, it's very refreshing to hear um, because we know that if you live in California, there's nothing you can do to change the price of housing in the state of California. And if nothing changes, it's going to keep getting higher and higher, whether you're a renter or a buyer. And some people finally just said, I've had it and they're moving. And it's interesting. I mean, have you ever noticed like the U-Haul trucking prices is a very interesting statistic where if you want to rent a U-Haul truck and you want to go, let's just say from Los Angeles to Phoenix, it's really expensive. But if you want to go from Phoenix to Los Angeles, it's really cheap. And, you know, it's all because of Econ 101, supply and demand. So what we're seeing here is like in this case to go from Phoenix to L.A. in a U-Haul only costs one hundred eighty six dollars to rent that truck. But to go in the opposite direction from L.A. to Phoenix, it costs one thousand nine hundred and seventy eight dollars. So roughly two grand as opposed to two hundred, like a 10x difference in price because of the supply and demand of those vehicles going in different directions. And another interesting one is Houston and L.A. Um, To go from L.A. to Houston, four thousand two hundred and three dollars to rent a U-Haul truck. But to go from Houston to L.A., only seven hundred and ninety three. So there it's about a six X, maybe six or seven X, excuse me, a five or six X multiplier. But still insane. Again, you're sick because more people are leaving California. Um, I read this article just even this morning It was very interesting. And it was a family that lived in the Bay Area and they were suffering because of the fires and the air quality and they had young children and they felt like they needed to get out. And their plan was to go to a friend's cabin in the Eastern Sierras to kind of get away from it all. Um, And while the the mother who was um, quoted in this article, while she was packing uh, for her children, um, she said it felt a little surreal, like maybe she was packing for the final time. Uh, But she went ahead and packed. And sure enough, they got out to the eastern Sierras and it was just awful air condition, air air conditions. Um, Obviously, the fires just raging throughout the Sierra Nevadas. So they just kept driving east. Um, They actually went north and east up towards Tahoe and Reno. And it was still terrible air. And they finally got to Fallon, uh, Nevada. And then that's when the air started to clear. And they pulled over into the city of Fallon. I don't know if you've ever been there. I actually drove through Fallon last February um, when I went on my trip up to Reno and drove my electric vehicle up to Reno and back. And on my way back, I actually drove through the Nevada desert in western Nevada. And I went through Fallon. And it's a farming community, a small town. But when they got there, this family got there, they were just overjoyed. They could see a blue sky. They could breathe clear air. And their children went out and you know, there's not a lot to do in Fallon. They got out there and they're throwing rocks, you know, and just, you know, relaxing and breathing and smiling and seeing the sun and taking it in. Um, and what was interesting is the family kept driving east, um, almost like they were meant to do it. And they ended up stopping in, in South Dakota where they had fr- friends and, and family I didn't continue the article after that, but it was just an interesting story how there are a lot of people that are leaving California and 
the beauty of that idea um, is the fact that people are taking personal initiative over their own life. They are trying to control what they can control rather than trying to control other people, which is um, an exercise often in futility, often, in my opinion, sometimes very immoral. Um, and the tribalism and the hysteria and the nonsense that happens with politics, we see all that play out. But at some point, you've got to just say, look, you know, I can't control all that on my own. Sure, I can have some influence. But in the end, you've got to take control over your own life. And we're seeing people do that. And, you know, some people are leaving for California for political reasons. It's funny. Um, I saw this one Facebook group and it's called Leaving California. And um, the people there, a lot of them are, are Trump people. So they want to get out of California. They don't like the liberals and, you know, that whole political angle. But there are other people that just needed needed to get out of the rat race. They needed to um, not have as much stress, not as much debt, um, wanted to live a simpler life and wanted to have more control over their own income and more power over their own lives. And I really respect that. I really do. And it's I like seeing that people are making those moves. So. It really just invites the question, you know, during this hysteria of the election season, what are you doing about your life? And I think that's the question we should keep asking ourselves. The the smart people have figured it out, right? The smart people say, hey, you people over there, you're always talking about politics and stuff. Why are you wasting your time on that? And we'll, we'll sometimes we'll say, well, this is important. And we're fighting for this cause and this is what we're trying to do. Um, but. Those people, you know, they're, they just go out on their, they go camping, right? They go out in their boat. They, they, um, they go visit other, other states and meet new people and they have hobbies and they have interests and they do all these really amazing things in their life. And they don't really give politics too much power over themselves. You know, they'll, they'll certainly vote. They'll express their opinion if asked, but they don't pay it too much heed. Um, I'm seeing a lot more logic in that. As much as I love the discussion, I love the conversation. Um, I also really like the idea of just focusing on yourself and trying to do what you can to improve your life for yourself and for your family. Sometimes people say that's being selfish, but really it's, it's completely consistent with the idea of our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So people are moving to other states and like Ben, um, what's his name? Uh, Ben Shapiro is moving to Nashville uh, and he's taking his whole company, the Daily Wire, and moving out there. And he's lived in L.A. his entire life, except for the few years he was at Harvard. Um, Really interesting. And of course, they're moving to Nashville. The state of Tennessee has no state income tax. Um, that's a neat area. I was with my wife and we were out in Nashville and Memphis and New Orleans last, actually about a year ago, right now, almost exactly a year ago, we were out there. Mem- uh, Nashville, man, that's a happening place. That's a lot of buzz, a lot of vibrancy, you know, not just um, in downtown uh, where all the, 
you know, the country music and, and the honky tonks are all down there, but just the overall economy there is just booming the construction and they got a big stadium and a football team, a lot going on there, but real estate's going up as well. Um, but we had an opportunity to go to Memphis too. And Memphis was kind of a neat place, definitely a slower placed, uh, paced city, but an interesting place to live, you know, and you're seeing people leaving California, going to these other places where they're going to get, you know, essentially they're going to get more bang for their buck. They're going to get housing that's going to be less expensive. They're not going to be taxed as much. They're going to have a little bit more uh, freedom to do some of the things they want. And, you know, depending on your point of view, you might even say you might have less freedom depending on the things that you want to do or the lifestyles that you want to live. Um, But we're seeing people take action in their own lives. And it's interesting. Um, And I think in many ways, it's kind of beautiful. It's part of what makes America great. The fact that we have 50 different states. Um, Gary Johnson, the libertarian candidate for president in 2012 and 2016, he used to refer to it as 50 laboratories of innovation, um, where each state had different models, different cultures, different politics, and they were all doing things differently. And then we as citizens um, or residents, we could vote with our feet and move to where we are. um, We could live the best life. Um, In my opinion, that's a beautiful idea of America. Uh, Some states are are, um, more hospitable to certain people than others. And the fact that we have those kinds of choices is a great thing. And now we're seeing people really take advantage of that. But for the longest time, there was always resistance to that. You know, if you go back 150 years, people traveled all the time. If there was a job in another state, man, they, they loaded up um, the truck and in some cases loaded up the, the covered wagon and busted a move. Um, but, in a, but it got to the point in, lately where people didn't want to move. They wanted the world around them to change to their own needs. But now people, I think, are starting to take a, take control over their lives. And I think that's a really positive thing. So, again, it comes down to this idea of individual initiative versus political power, political control. And it's an interesting dichotomy to see those two ideas and how they play off each other. Um, I, I just want to share a story just for, you know, in my own life. I've been since I was very young, programmed to think this way, um, to think about initiative. Um, and, and maybe you have, or maybe you haven't, but I'll just share my story. I got my first job when I was 12 years old and I got the job because I wanted some spending money and my family didn't have very much. Um, they tried to provide money for me as best they could, but I didn't want to be a burden on my family because I know they were struggling. And, um, and so I, I, wanted to have my own money and I wanted to have a sense of independence. And I got a paper route. I was a paper boy for the San Francisco examiner. And, um, I covered the area right around my house, actually like a two or three block radius around my house. And I did that for two years. It's amazing back in the day. I mean, I was, it was, a, I worked seven days a week. I worked on weekends. You could probably say this is child labor and that people would, ha- would flog you at the stake um, for this idea, but I loved it. And I was making about a hundred bucks a month, roughly. And 
back then in the late seventies, that was a lot of money for a little kid. And what did I use the money to buy bicycle parts and other things? You know, I, I used it to kind of fund my own interests and hobby. And I love that. And I love having this thing that I did where I was productive and I was, um, taking initiative and I was earning money and it was extraordinarily fulfilling. Um, but yeah, I had to work seven days a week. I did the San Francisco examiner back then they had the Chronicle in the morning and the examiner in the afternoon. But on Sundays we had to do the morning paper, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle examiner was where they merged on Sundays. The examiner now is long gone. It disappeared. Um, but that was a really rewarding job. But then when I was 14 years old, um, I, I got a, I decided I didn't want to work seven days a week. I mean, cause every day when I deliver papers and you get the papers, it was a stack of them. You had to fold them and rubber band them. And then you had to load them into your bag and you wrap the bag around your handlebars on your bicycle. And, and then you would go around throwing the papers and, you know, that was like a, I don't know, like an hour and a half every day. And then the Sundays, oh my God, the Sunday papers were enormous and it took a lot longer to fold those because of all the inserts. And then it took a lot more effort to deliver them. And, you know, my mother, bless her heart, sometimes would help me on Sunday mornings. Um, but, uh, I really enjoyed that initiative, but I didn't want to. I, I, by this time I started getting more and more involved in bicycle motocross and I didn't want to, uh, be working seven days a week. I wanted my weekends off, <laughs> you know, here I am a 14 year old, I'm demanding my weekends off. And so, um, a friend of mine was working at a coffee shop, um, on Broadway in Burlingame and which was only a couple of blocks away from us. And they had a need for a dishwasher and, I inquired about it. And this is a very interesting story. So like right now, what's the minimum wage? It's like, um, gosh, is it $12 an hour, maybe $13 an hour in the state of California? And I know they're incrementally working their way up to $15 an hour um, in the next year or two. Well, back then, the minimum wage, and this was like in 79, maybe 1979, the minimum wage was $3.35 an hour. And... Um, and at that time, here I am, I'm a paper boy. I'm working probably at least 10 hours a week, maybe like 12 hours a week. And, and if I did the math, I'm making way less than the minimum wage. Um, besides the fact that I had to go out at night and collect money from people, which imagine doing that today, like a little 12 year old kid going up and down the street, knocking on doors, collecting money for the newspaper and walking around with cash in their pocket. It was a different day then. Um, but at any rate, uh, I was making, if I did the math, way less than minimum wage. Um, so this job, the way the, the owner worked it, the owner was kind of a, he was a sly devil, but he knew I was only 14 and it wasn't legal for me to work in that restaurant as a 14 year old. I had to be, I think 15 and a half and I had to get a worker's permit and then if I was 15 and a half and had a worker's permit, then he could pay me. He'd pay me the minimum wage and then I'd be on the payroll and he'd have to, you know, do all the payroll taxes and all that stuff. So he worked a deal with me. He says, I'll pay you two bucks an hour under the table cash. And I thought to myself and I ran the numbers. I said, yes, I will do that. And um, so what I did is I was a um, I was a dishwasher at it's like a little like a 
they, they it was think of it like a miniature version of like a Denny's. It, it was like a cafe and they did serve breakfast and lunch and dinner. Um, and yeah, I, I got the, the bust, uh, you know, bucket of bust, uh, dirty, t- uh, dishes and brought them into the back and sprayed them down and loaded up the, the, uh, items in the dishwasher. And then I restocked the shelves and it was a great job. And I only had to work two days a week and I worked Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I remember it was from, it was five hours a day. I think I might've worked from was it five to, it couldn't have been five to 10 o'clock. Maybe it was like four to nine o'clock. But I remember I worked five hours a day, two days a week, 10 hours a week. Um, so I made 20 bucks a week and I made close to a hundred dollars a month. Um, and that was about the same as I was earning as a paper boy. But in this case, I was only having to work two days a week rather than seven. And it freed up my weekends. And then I was able to do all all sorts of other things. Um, So I took that job in a heartbeat and that was a great job. And I loved it. And I was able to walk there uh, because it wasn't far. Um, Later, uh, I ended up leaving that job and getting a job being paid properly over the table um, at a bike shop. And at that time, bicycles were completely uh, a huge part of my life. And now I was able to work in a bike shop, uh, building new bikes, repairing other people's bicycles. And I was, you know, for at this time, I was probably 16, 17 years old. That was like the dream job for a kid of that age, because not only did I have a job that paid me pretty well, but I had a job doing what I loved. I had a job doing something that I probably would have done for free. In fact, that I had done for free all the time, not only taking care of my bikes, but taking care of my friends' bikes and helping them out. Um, we're just constantly love to be around bicycles. And, um, that was a great job. And so for me, I've always been programmed that way to kind of look what's next, what's the next initiative. And so I've been working pretty much, I mean, with a couple of exceptions nonstop since I was 12 years old. Um, then I went away to college and I was working then right away. In fact, I had a job at the um, at the San Diego Sports Arena back when the Clippers were here. And I sold popcorn and soda up and down the aisles at the sports arena during my freshman year in college. Then I later worked in the cafeterias on campus. Then um, I got a really great job. I, I was a tutor for La Jolla High School students, and I'd help them with their math. And that paid really well. Um, I remember I was making like 25 bucks for a half an hour. Um, And I would, you know, I had, I originally started working for a company and then just through networking and connections, I began to get other clients. um, And I began to be sort of like a, um, a, an independent contractor. And that was a great job. Um, and I did that through college and I had a bunch of other crazy jobs in college. I could probably share those with you someday. Well, I was a private detective one time. Um, and, um, I was also a mascot for a cookie company in downtown San Diego, where I dressed up as a chocolate chip cookie, um, all kinds of things. But I've always tried to be wired to be very to have an initiative to keep pushing myself and trying new things. Um, and then, you know, now I've been in business on my own since 2004. And then we started this podcast in 2018 and just love the idea of just personal initiative, personal growth. What can I do to improve me? What can I do to improve my situation for myself and my family? And 
I'm really proud of that. And so when I put that in context with all the hysteria and the nonsense about what's going on in the political world, um, where everyone's trying to control everyone else, where here I am just trying to control me. Here I am trying to control what's truly within my control. And doing it in a way to create win-win relationships with those around me. I help them, they help me. As opposed to in the political world, it's about one group oppressing another group. One group getting a win and the other group getting a lose. It's about win-lose or lose-win situations. Um, So again, when I see people taking control of their lives, when I see people deciding to take initiative and move, I like that. I, I respect that. Um, I get it. When Ben Shapiro moves the Daily Wire from Los Angeles to Nashville, Tennessee, I get it. I totally understand it. And I respect it. And I think we, that we should see more of that. Um, I think people were gonna, are going to have a better quality of life if they can focus on themselves rather than trying to focus on everyone else except themselves. Um, so it's just a very interesting topic that I, I find I find, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. And, and now here I am, I'm in this podcast and we're about 56 minutes. I'm going to wrap it up here pretty quick, but what am I trying to do now with this podcast? Well, we started this by interviewing the political candidates here locally in the city of Poway and candidates also in Rancho Bernardo, Rancho Penasquitos. Still enjoy doing that. Love the discussion. Um, love the conversation about ideas. Love giving local voters an opportunity to get to know those candidates. But I also like doing this. Um, I like having my solo podcasts with you. And it's interesting. A lot of times I do these solo podcasts and I do a lot of research up front and I got everything planned and bullet pointed out and I'm organized. But today I'm just kind of freelancing it to a great degree. I like this. For me, it's very empowering. It's very fulfilling to freely express my thoughts and opinions and ideas. And what I'm trying to do is find a way to make this podcast even better. And I was looking for ways originally to monetize the project, to monetize the podcast by getting advertisers or try, should we do subscribers and everything else? And that was just so difficult to do. I'm getting to the point now where I'm realizing that if I'm ever going to have a chance to monetize this project, to really make this a, 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 an actual concern rather than just a hobby, um, is to, uh, I'm going to have to create my own products. I'm going to have to write a book. I'm going to have to develop online training courses. I'm going to have to create digital products. And I think if I can do that, I think I'm going to have a great opportunity to make this even more interesting. Um, you know, for me, this is just a labor of love. This is something I enjoy doing. Um, I enjoy learning about the podcast technology. I enjoy meeting interesting people. I enjoy the discussions. I enjoy the equipment and the technology. Um, I enjoy learning, but I also really, really enjoy now that I'm doing this Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two o'clock, I really enjoy holding myself accountable to getting in front of a camera three times a week at a scheduled time and, and having personal integrity to do that. To me, that's really empowering too. And I think there's a great opportunity to take this podcast project and to expand what we're doing. So there's more conversation 
about ways to improve your personal life, ways to take initiative in your personal life, ways to improve what you do in business, as opposed to constantly dwelling on the politics. Um, I'm still going to talk about politics in this podcast because I think politics is what attracts some of the audience. And I think politics gives us a good jumping off point to talk about ways to improve your life. And that's why I titled this podcast Political Power versus personal initiative. I think there's great opportunity um, for me to use this podcast, to use politics, to bring people in, but then to use this as a platform to talk about how we can make our lives better and how we can make our business lives better. And a lot of what I'm going to be trying to do moving forward is developing a lot more digital content, um, whether it's in the form of um, of online training, whether it's in the form of uh, maybe I'm going to write a book. You know, I'm thinking of these ideas. It's I'm going to have to turn this podcast into something of a of an information business, essentially. But the good news is, is that I'm already in the information business today. Um, I own a marketing agency. I do consulting work for clients, but I also sell data. I buy and sell data. I'm one of those evil data brokers where um, I sell lists and and I do a lot in the marketing world um, where I'm already in the world of of buying and selling information. So I don't think it's that big of a leap where I can take this podcast project and begin to expand on it where I can create some of my own products that I think can be very helpful to people to improve their personal lives and improve their business lives. So I'm hoping moving forward, you know, we're going to, you know, right now we're in the middle of election season. There's still going to be a lot of politics, both local and national. But especially after we get out of the election season, I'm going to probably be spending a lot more time um, focused on other things, Um, focused on having these podcast conversations where we're going to talk about you know, the, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Well, the liberty part is the political part. Um, the life part is taking control of your own life. And the pursuit of happiness part is also a big part of your life. We're going to talk a lot more about those pieces. Um, and we're going to balance it out with the political and the liberty and that sort of thing. But I think it's going to be really helpful. I think it's going to be beneficial for my audience, hopefully beneficial for you and, and beneficial for me. So now, by the way, you know, this is a, a live stream. We're doing it on podcasts, on Facebook and on um, YouTube. So if you're watching and you want to ask questions, you know, Kevin Kennedy chimed in earlier. We were talking about things here locally in Poway, but this is a freelance Friday. It's kind of an ask me anything segment. So if you are watching, uh, feel free to zing me a question. I'll be happy to answer it. You can just type the question into the comments section. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to really try to work hard at that, but it's hard because, you know, I've got my day job and, you know, that's what I use to make my income. I got my family and, and right now it's baseball season. So, you know, looking forward to the Padre game tonight. Um, so I, I, but I need to really start pushing myself to carve out time to create more of my own products rather than trying to resell third party products. I think I'm going to have to get to a point of creating my own. And you know, who's done a great job of that is a guest that I've had twice on this podcast. And that's Catherine Cloward. Um, she's a musician. She's an author. She's a business person. She's written a whole series of children's books. She's written a whole series of books for young uh, preteens. She creates her own music. She's got her own publishing company. She has created a whole business around building her own 
products, her own content, and has monetized that. And I think she's doing an awesome job. Uh, so for me, I think she might be someone that I could model part of this podcast after. But that's kind of the direction I'm going to try to be shifting towards. Um, but yeah, we're still going to talk politics. We're still going to talk local stuff and we're going to still have a lot of fun with it. So I really appreciate everyone's input, their thoughts. You know, we got a lot of really good discussion on the podcast with my guests, with my audience. That's why I love doing the, the, the live stream. We get the interactivity with the audience, but, um, yeah, I, I think we're going to start, you're going to start to see kind of a, a slight shift in some of the things that we're going to be bringing forward. Um, but yeah, we're at a minute and three. So uh, I'm going to just close it with um, the simplest of all quotes. I like these solo podcasts. I always have a closing quote. And this is consistent with personal initiative, you know, as opposed to political power and political control, personal initiative. What can we do in our lives to take control over our, our own lives? What can we do to take initiative to improve ourselves without having to get a majority to vote? So you get what you want so that you can just choose yourself um, and get what you want. And my quote is the slogan from the, the, the athletic shoe company, Nike, just do it and just keep applying that to your life. If there's something you want to do, just do it. I had this wild hair that I wanted to do this podcast and I just did it. And I'm really happy that I did. This podcast is extremely rewarding in my life. Very fulfilling. I have, I, I've made some money on this podcast, but it's laughable how little it is. But still, the reward to me is fantastic. It's outrageously beneficial to me in my life. I just did it. Um, I would encourage you to just do it. Um, hopefully that's a slogan you can take into the weekend and, and beyond. So this is the John Riley project. This is episode number 164. Thanks for listening to me on my soapbox today about political power and personal initiative. We'll be back at you Wednesday at two o'clock. We're doing this regularly scheduled Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 p.m. And we look forward to the continuing the conversation there. Thanks again, friends. We'll see you later. Bye bye.